Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trending lower this morning as they track overnight losses on the Nasdaq and ignore the gains by broader U.S. markets. Joining me now as we break down all the market action, good Friday morning, Ryan Huang. Happy Friday, Michelle. What are the plans for the weekend? Yeah, I've got this date night coming up because my kids just graduated from kindergarten two, so she's off to camp, overnight camp. So we've got the night to ourselves, so we're going to a comedy night oh, it's at Ju Chiat mm-hmm. so I'm looking forward to that how about you? that sounds wonderful that sounds fantastic I have a couple of recipes in mind and we'll have some people over ah okay so you are cooking a feast Chef Michelle's putting a hat on Friday feast <laughs> uh huh <laughs> All right, let's start this morning on Wall Street where the Dow Jones Industrial Average surged by more than 500 points overnight to cap off the index's best month in more than a year. It finished the session at 35,950. That is the Dow's highest close in nearly two years. And if we take a step back and look at the year-to-date numbers, the S&P 500 is up 19%. NASDAQ has done even better. It is up by more than 35%. And yet the market's strong performance has really blindsided a number of skeptics who have been focused on interest rates and inflation and recessionary fears. So what has really driven this rally? Yeah, if you look at the past month in November, it was by and large a pretty good month. And this is pretty much, like you pointed out, one of the strongest Novembers in recent history. So that's how good it was. And part of it was driven by technology stocks coming back into play, coming back into favour as well. So going into the latest session, we did see some tailwinds coming through from the latest numbers in the US economy. One is pretty much around the sign of moderating inflation, that economy is starting to slow down in that sense. And that's just painting a picture that perhaps the Fed might need to do less. And one of it is from the closely watched PCE index, which is the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index. Mm-hmm. The Fed's preferred gauge when they decide, hey, is there enough inflation or not? So that's up 3.5% for the October reading. And that is slightly lower than the 3.7% reading in September. So by and large, you've got that painting and encouraging picture that the Fed can afford to take its foot off the pedal, plus the initial jobless claims inching up a bit more, up 7,000 to 218,000. So that's a sign perhaps they can take away that the jobs market is starting to provide some slack. Of course, not enough. It's not where they need it to be yet, but it is another step. And an encouraging step as we take a step towards the next FOMC meeting in two weeks' time. Yeah, it's a great overview of the steps in the near future. November traditionally kicks off the best six months of the year for the S&P 500. And this is because companies and pension plans typically start reshuffling their portfolios around this time. One fear, though, is that the market's gains are too heavily concentrated in just a couple of companies. You know those, the Magnificent Seven, right? NVIDIA, Meta, and other tech giants. And speaking of NVIDIA, a recent securities filing shows Singapore is responsible for 15% of NVIDIA's revenue that is huge. 15% of NVIDIA's revenue is 2.7 billion US dollars. All due to data centers and cloud service providers here in Singapore. 
money nugget for you this morning. All right, away from tech, the markets will also focus overnight on oil prices. The OPEC Plus nations held a virtual meeting overnight in which Saudi Arabia and other members agreed to cut oil production by more than 2 million barrels a day. They're attempting to boost sagging oil prices, but their announcement seems to have had little effect on markets. In fact, oil prices fell overnight. Why is this? Yeah, it Why is do you think? a lot to wrap your head around. So yeah. we've got to start from the beginning. So this meeting was supposed to happen four days ago over the weekend. Hmm. Then it got postponed because of all the disagreements and then it got downgraded to a virtual meeting. So right at the crux of it was the production quotas. Some members not happy with what was on the table. Saudi Arabia pretty much telling the folks to, hey, please cut your quotas. Please cut back your production so that we can raise prices. So that's where the biggest producer is coming from. Some folks not happy because they want the leeway to be able to raise capacity in maybe next year or time to come. That will give them more revenue, of course, if we can sell more oil. So going back into the meeting, what we got out of the meeting, we had some good news on the surface. All members seem to agree to voluntary cuts totaling 2.2 million barrels a day. So going into that meeting, we were hoping to get some agreement in place. So we had that agreement. Mm -hmm. And in principle, that is an additional production cut of up to 1 million barrels per day. So that was good news for market watchers and they cheered it with sending prices higher. And then as they started to get more details around it, I suppose they realized, hey, these are actually voluntary reductions. There's nothing really holding back them from not following the instructions or the guidance and the voluntary reductions came in piecemeal announcements. So announced by each member it doesn't hold the entire OPEC Plus grouping to the same quota cuts. So the question around enforcement also comes into play. There is now doubt, a few questions. Will they actually follow the promised uh, production cuts? So even though you have a number there, will it actually happen? I think you've got people starting to cast doubt on that. And I think that's what sent the oil prices back into reverse down. Yeah, speaking of oil prices, Brent crude is currently trading a little shy of 83 US dollars a barrel. West Texas crude is trading around 75 US dollars. Let's take a look now at some of the biggest movers on Wall Street overnight. And we do it, of course, up or down style. Ryan, let's look at Salesforce. All right, Salesforce has some good news. And this is on the earnings front where it has managed to beat expectations. And this is where it stocks going up. And mm-hmm. I think you've got some signs that is able to see a bit of a bottoming out when it comes to some of its growth sluggishness. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it's better days ahead because it's been able to lift its profit margins by lowering expenses. And it's quite a similar tune when you look at some of the tech companies that have been reporting this year. Cutting back on costs, to preserve or even lift profit margins. So they put in place a a growth plan last year and we're seeing results this quarter. Look at revenue, 8.7 billion. And if you look ahead, it says it will be continuing to pursue an AI strategy. All right, Salesforce jumped more than 9% overnight on the back of a strong earning announcement. 
The 1.2 billion US dollars that it netted during the third quarter of the year is nearly six times higher than a year ago. So definitely an up. Let's look at the Walt Disney Company. We talked about Bob Iger's plans uh, a little bit earlier in the year. What are you seeing now? Yeah, Mr. Fixit has really <laughs> come forth with a strong message for the folks inside Disney saying, hey guys, you have not been on the ball. We have kind of drifted from our original mission mm. and which is to tell good stories. Yeah. So he's been saying, hey guys, when I was away, things started to fall apart. So that's where the movies um, come into play, mm. saying that the quality of Disney movies needs to improve. One of the things he picked on was how there's been too much preaching or messaging going on. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this has detracted away from what Disney has been known for, quality stories. So this includes how some of the recent pictures, he flagged how perhaps they've been introducing some of the political messages mm like same gender scenes and so on. So that kind of detracted it and I suppose put it in unnecessary scrutiny in some places. So he's saying, hey guys, just focus on the story. Everything else will fall into place. Among the many things he is going to be fixing. So I'm going with an up for Disney. The thing is, stories are built around values. It's a question of whose values are you going to tell, you know, and when does storytelling become preaching? So... It's 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 a difficult line to walk. We talked about Bob Iger's plans uh, to build more investors seem to take a wait-and-see approach to that yesterday. But what has caught their attention today is uh, a move by Disney to reinstate dividend payments. Disney halted those dividend payments during the pandemic and now it will pay 30 US cents per share for the second half of the year. So that is definitely an up. Next up, let's look at an Internet of Things company with such a romantic name, Samsara. <laughs> Romantic name indeed. So they provide sensors and cloud-based software to manage vehicle fleets and industrial operations. And as you imagine, these things are in demand these days. So Samsara is enjoying some good times when it comes to the latest earnings report. And the guidance is coming in above expectations. A strong engine of growth is his IoT business. Mm-mm. Solid revenue. Great profit numbers, well above expectations. Samsara shares are up 13% in after-hours trade. Good for them. For our last entry for this round of Up or Down, we turn to Japan and take a look at the Nikkei, which is on a roll. On a roll to a two-year high. So <laughs> we've got the Nikkei 2 to 5 on a bit of a tear. So later session, it was up 0.5% to 33,487 points. And a couple of factors, you've got a weaker yen that's been helping exporters and retailers to become more competitive and they've also managed to see some of these companies pass on higher costs to consumers for now at least. Mm. So that's all good news for the earnings front and the Nikkei is enjoying a bit of a lift and I think institutional investors, foreign investors also pouring money in because relatively uh, this has been one of the more um, attractive markets with upside. Yeah, certainly. It rose 4.8% in November and that is its best month in two years, Japan's Nikkei index. Japanese stocks really getting a boost from a whole series of robust earnings reports. So that is an up for the Nikkei. Next up, let's look at a local story, one that I thought we had put behind us, but it turns out the corporate drama has a season two. I'm talking about the face-off between the ESR group and the activist investor Quartz Capital. Now, you might remember that the two companies were embroiled 
in a very public battle earlier this year about whether to internalize Sabana's read management and to fire its external managers. Quartz won that battle during an EGM, but now ESR is suing Quartz. What's going on here? Yeah, if this was a movie, this would be like the bonus scene <laughs> uh, where they now are going a bit further. Of course, if you wind the clock back, ESR Group and Quartz Capital have been at loggerheads for quite some time because Quartz was leading the charge, so to speak, just getting the folks, the minority investors, to try to introduce changes mm-hmm. which the ESR Group was not happy with. This is around the management of Sabana Industrial REIT where they were trying to internalize the REIT manager. So they managed to do so successfully. But anyways, going back to the problem is how apparently Quartz Capital went about doing it. So this is what ESR Group is picking on, that the ways they went about it, publishing letters openly, talking to people, multiple statements that were published, you know, had a negative effect on ESR Group in the way that it painted them in a manner that was defamatory. So mm. that is pretty much the essence of the complaint by ESR Group. So ESR Group saying its name dragged into disrepute, lowered its standing in the eyes of the public. And that's why they are not happy and the saga continues. So defamation at the heart of this suit, ESR suing Quartz. It claims that Quartz brought ESR Group's name into disrepute, lowered its standing in the eyes of the public. Quartz essentially says it stuck to the issues in their previous dispute and that it will now vigorously resist the lawsuit. All right, time for uh, Up or Down. And for this morning, first up, dear listeners, we head to our hearts and our stomachs. Um, I'm talking about the price of rice. <laughs> Hopefully it's not too expensive. What's the verdict? Is the price of rice up or down? Yeah, is that rice on your menu tonight when you're cooking? So Cauliflower rice. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if it's good news or not for you because prices are going up. And this is a new 15-year high. Oh. So this is focused on the Asian benchmark, the Thai white rice 5% broken has jumped by $57 over the past two months to $640 a ton. So this is just short of its highest level on record sometime back in October 2008. So you've got a couple of things happening here. Mm. One is the um, sweeping export curves from top shipper India. So that affects the supply. And there's, there's increased demand as well from unexpected buyers such as Brazil and the Philippines. So supply and demand, and that's pushing up rice prices to 15-year highs. Yeah, Vietnam low on stocks as well. Rice is so vital to so many of us. 60% of the total caloric intake for us in Southeast Asia and Africa, depending on rice. It's all about supply and demand, though, when you think about why our rice prices going up so much. So you mentioned the sweeping curbs India has put in place on the export of rice. And then there's Thailand's production as well, hit by bad weather, climate change. And less supply means higher prices, which is exactly what we are seeing. The price of rice approaching a 15-year high. That's an up for rice producers. That's a down for us with our wallets. All right, let's look at Alibaba versus Pinduo Duo. Which one is up? Which one is down? All right, I am going down for Alibaba 
up for Pinduoduo. And this is around a piece of news that Jack Ma, the founder of Alibaba, came out with a bit of a message. Hey guys, you need to shape up because we are losing market share to PDD. So he actually lauded rival PDD for being able to do a good job and he kind of had a bit of a pep talk with a rally of sorts in his letter internally that, hey guys, even though it's bleak or bleaker times, uh, this is where some of the best companies are forged. Every great company is born in a winter. That's why he said in a staff post. Mm. So hopefully this is uh, enough to stir up the spirits um, within Alibaba to do better. But otherwise, looking at Pinduoduo, we are looking at a pretty good rival. Pinduoduo's transaction revenue surged 315%. And this comes as we see more people look for bargains in the third quarter at least. So you've got a lot going for Pinduoduo and uh, a very competitive e-commerce market in China. So, yes, indeed. Uh, Jack Ma appearing to step up from the shadows after three years and really shocking everybody with his insights, praising Pinduoduo, you know, as a, as a way to, I suppose, motivate Alibaba employers, employees to, to step up their game. Alibaba briefly lost their position as China's most valuable e-commerce firm yesterday. So their shares slid nearly 1.5% in intraday trade over in Hong Kong and that dropped briefly pushed Pinduoduo to the top spot. Next up, have you worn a pair of these British bootmakers, Dr. Martins? No, I'm afraid not. Have you? Never. Own a pair. don't look comfy. Uh, well, they've got a fans. So I suppose you've got a strong cult following there. Mm, used to be, but Dr. Martens is struggling. Their shares dropped to a record low yesterday after the company announced a slow start to the autumn winter season. In fact, Dr. Martens shares plunged by more than 25% on the news. How's Manulife US Read looking? Yeah, I'm looking at Manulife and this is not looking any better from what we talked about yesterday where we touched on the problems it was facing yeah. its portfolio under pressure because of valuations going down, which affects its ratios when it comes to its finances. So it's breached a couple of covenants. And this is where you've got a couple of brokerages now saying, hey, it's not looking that attractive right now and it's time to downgrade the stock. One of these is DBS Group Research has downgraded Manulife US REIT to hold mm. from buy while maintaining its target price of $0.10. Cents. So this also comes in the wake of the REIT manager announcing plans to raise funds through a mix of asset dispositions and a loan. So question mark remains over when or if it can turn things around. So that's uh, leaving a lot of uncertainty for Manulife US REIT. Exactly. Investors don't like uncertainty. We talked yesterday about how Manulife US REIT has suspended distributions, is taking other measures to get its financial house in order. But investors don't seem to like what they are hearing. Manulife US REIT units dropped more than 25% yesterday. Venture Corp. All right, I like this one because it's an up for me, of course. So you've got a share buying back of 10 million shares. Oh, that's a proposal at least. So this is going to be good news because typically when this happens, it will support prices of its shares. So I am putting it up under this share buying back plan. I have to join you there. So Venture Corp, the electronic company's share price was down more than 25% 
since the beginning of the year. It is down, I should say. But this share buyback plan, the proposal to buy back 10 million shares should give it a boost. Our last word today belongs to a restaurant called Red Lobster. I'm not sure if you've been to this one before. Uh, have you ever been to Red Lobster? It was once when I was a small kid visiting Disneyland. One of those restaurants yeah, yeah, along yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't remember much about it. <laughs> okay, so it's owned by a Thai company and it recently ran a promotion. All you can eat shrimp for 20 US dollars. The promotion was called Ultimate Endless Shrimp. But what happened was more people came to the restaurant and they just ate and ate and ate and Red Lobster had to raise the price of the special offer. First they raised it to 22 US dollars. Then they had to raise it again, 25 US dollars. I should point out that the restaurant chain is expected to lose 20 million US dollars this year. I'm sure this didn't help. If there was a $20 all-you-can-eat special here in Singapore, uh, I think the restaurant would not simply be forced to raise prices. They'd probably go bust. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if $20 is the right price or even 22 or 25 These are prawns, shrimp. So expensive. Seafood, I'm not sure. I'm sure everyone's <laughs> trying to get a good deal, bang for the buck and load up. So it's a tough one to pull off. I've always wondered how buffets make money. Me yeah. too. Me too, for sure. Recycle. I, in terms of scale, I don't know how much can that go, especially when you're serving seafood. Well, buffets so. are not cheap anymore, you know. Mm, I haven't been out to buffets much at my age. My so goodness. I'm not sure where things are right now when it comes oh, to prices. So I went out to one, it was about 70 bucks a head. I thought, what, what is going on? 70 bucks? What a are you serving? Head. Everything. Seafood. You know how buffets oh, are. Right, right. They, they serve everything. That's why you're cooking in today. That's it. Uh, speaking of prices, Singapore recently took top spot in a competition. Many wish it hadn't won. Singapore has tied with Zurich as the world's most expensive city. This according to a survey by the Economist Intelligence Unit. So Singapore, officially more expensive than New York, Hong Kong, Paris, and well, any other city except Zurich. But that is not stopping my friend here from taking his lovely wife out for a date. Enjoy date night. All right. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.